Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of Heart Home Faith. I'm your host, Olivia, and as always, I'm very grateful to you for tuning in. Today, I'm chatting with Rachel Wong, who is the host of the podcast, The Feminine Genius Podcast. She is incredible, and we cover topics like her story, what the feminine genius is, and even share some details about how the feminine genius has impacted my own conversion and how it can impact yours too. So get ready for a great conversation. Rachel is an absolute delight to chat with, and I can't wait for you to hear all she has to say. Genius podcast is just so awesome. One of the things that's really cool about it is that the word feminine genius, yes, it's actually words, um, but the words feminine genius, when I started to have my like reversion to the faith or my coming into the faith on my own as an adult, those words were really, really transformative for me. So I think that like it's just such a beautiful thing and it's such a wonderful, wonderful thing to share about the feminine genius with, with your listeners. And it can be so transformative in people's lives. So I kind of wanted to ask you about your podcast. I heard a little bit of your story on the Spoken Women podcast. And I just, I love that it was an unexpected way that God led you into podcasting. But for maybe for those who haven't heard the story, who haven't listened to that Spoken Women podcast episode, could you just share a little bit about how you ended up starting the Feminine Genius podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it was such an unexpected thing. And I find that God really works in those unexpected ways. But I guess to make a long story short, I have always been really interested in journalism and I do have some background in broadcast and radio. So I thought that that was initially where God was going to take me with my career and where I wanted to go. But very quickly, he showed me that that wasn't the case. Um, And I was in Panama for World Youth Day in January of 2019. And that's where I got the first stirrings. And, you know, to this day, I've tried to um, verbalize it or condense it in a way that makes sense to other people, makes sense to me. But all I can really describe it as is impulses that I received. These memories, these thoughts of women, like good Catholic women who I really admired and I really thought that, yes, they were living out their feminine genius, though I didn't realize it at the time. And there was just something about how I wanted to tell their stories, which is something that I've always been very interested in. But I pushed it aside at that point. And those thoughts and impulses continued to follow me for about five months until I was in Ottawa. So Canada's nation's capital, and I'm from Vancouver. So I was visiting a friend in Ottawa, and I was in adoration when you know, I had this, probably I would say in my life so far, one of the clearest conversations that I can remember consciously having with God about starting this podcast and hearing him call me to action and me coming back with, you know, many excuses and fears and just being like, Lord, like I've got no money. I've got no time. I have no expertise. I'm not a theologian or like, I'm not married. I'm not a sister. Like what expertise could I possibly have? What am I going to even call this? And what I find so funny is that, you know, amidst everything, I think even though there was some anxiety, there was still a small sense of peace that started to grow. And eventually he really made everything work. So that was when I discovered the feminine genius. I talk about doing a very quick Google search um, at first thinking that, oh my gosh, this is so much more than I thought it was at first. And it really um, opened my eyes to what it meant to be a Catholic woman, which is something that I had struggled with for a long time. And yeah, as they say, the rest is history. Um, I got back home uh, probably the beginning of May of 2019. And like I said, God made it work. And on June 1st, I launched the podcast and now here we are. So that's a little bit of the story there. That is awesome. And 
So I know that you said that you had heard the term the feminine genius on the Abiding Together podcast, which is another awesome podcast um, for all the podcast listeners who like to get new podcast recommendations. Um, But, you know, I guess I would love to know now that you've been doing this for, oh my gosh, wow, like a year and a half, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So, you know, that's 18 months. That's, that's a long podcast time. It really is. You learn and you grow so much, but having that specific focus on the feminine genius, I'm curious now that you've kind of delved into it, what do you think the term feminine genius means for every woman in the church? Oh, such a good question. I mean, I I feel like at the end of the day, the, the term feminine genius you know, as simple as it sounds, it just, when you break it apart, it really just ties together so many elements of who we are, like our identity, but also where we're called to go. So, you know, feminine, I think so many times in our society, we mistaken that, or we attribute that to, you know, you have to wear pink, you have to wear something like fancy or fluffy or whatever it might be. And I can understand how that might alienate or make people feel like, well, that's not me. Like I'm interested in sports or I played football growing up with my sisters and brothers. Like that's not me, but it really gets to the heart of the fact that we are simply not masculine. We are not like men and that is okay. And in fact, it's more than okay because that leads into that, the other word, right? You're mentioning the two words at the beginning, the genius part. In order for it to work in tandem, like the complementarity of the sexes, as John Paul II talks about, it requires two to work not against each other and not for each of us men and women to repress our masculinity or femininity, but to really lean into that genius. And I think once we've uncovered and understood that identity for ourselves, that we are not just men and women, but sons and daughters, heirs to the king. then we can really live out that genius. So I think that that's really what God has been showing me more and more. So it's given me, I think, a deeper sense of, you know, my own womanhood, Mm -hmm. but also understanding men and understanding masculinity and who, who they're called to be and also who I'm called to be and how can we work together to build up God's kingdom. I absolutely, I love that. What's so Rachel, you are in Canada, and we're going to talk more about Canada and my love affair with Canada. Um, And I'm in the United States, so it's just it's interesting to me that like we are geographically on the same continent. We are geographically, you know, fairly close in culture, but there are some cultural differences as well, which I think is interesting because despite the fact that there are these cultural differences between you know Canadians and and I'm going to say Americans you know, United States. Yeah, it would be Americans. Anyways, but (laughs) between, you know, there's differences between Canadians and Americans and, and the way they view things, especially when it comes to, it sounds like, you know, being feminine, like, you know, the United States, we've got the whole feminist movement thing where like men and women should be the same and men and women should be equal. And there's a lot of parts of the feminist movement that make a lot of sense like equal pay and, you know, um, protections under law and abilities to vote and things like that. But there's also a real difference between men and women. So I think it's really interesting that despite the fact that we are, you know, from different areas, we still see that this term feminine genius resonates with women, which I think Mm -hmm. just really speaks to the universality of our Catholic faith in the church and just the the way that in any culture, feminine genius is something that is, um, what's, I'm looking for a word. Like, it's like a model that can be upheld. And I just, I think that's so beautiful. Absolutely. And if I could just add to that too, you know, 100% universality, but also I think one of the things that really struck me when I first came across um, John Paul II's letter to women, he wrote that in 1995. Now, for context, I was born in 1996, so just a year after that. And I was so struck by how it seemed like someone had just wrote this yesterday or that morning. So it's not only universal, but also it just transcends time and distance, as you're alluding to, how this model, like you're saying, of the feminine genius 
is something that is timeless. And, you know, many times people talk about the Catholic church being this archaic, um, you know, institution that is outdated, out of touch with society. But you look at some of the writings and the wisdom of the church, like there's a reason why we call it the wisdom of the church. Wisdom is something that really doesn't fade and it transcends generations and millennia, literally. And it's beautiful. And I think that that's something that just makes me realize how big our faith is and just there's so much there to dive into and I think that's why like you know we call our faith a mystery it requires so much reflection and I love what you're talking about like where it's you know it's universal it's timeless and you know our our femininity really it's timeless our beauty is timeless so yeah I just wanted to add that thought because that's exactly what you know you talking about universality made me think of also time so time and space Right. So, okay. I have always felt super, super young, um, but I was born in 1990. So talking to someone who's six years younger than me was awesome. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for being a witness at this early age in your life. That is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Okay. I guess for those who maybe have never heard the term feminine genius, how would you describe it? What would you say if you were just talking to somebody and, you know, oh, I run a podcast called the Feminine Genius Podcast. Well, like, well, what is feminine genius? What would, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in, in his letter to women, um, John Paul II uses the term feminine genius, but he also uses it, and he kind of flips it and says the genius of women. So I guess alluding to what we were um, chatting about earlier, really what I see it as is the ways in which God has made us unique and different from men. Um, And also, it's just the way that we are called to live out. So when we look at even our physical bodies, that in itself speaks to volumes as to what it is that we can do versus men. So on a biological level, you know, women are created to carry babies and nurture them in their wombs for nine months and carry them to full term and then give birth. Like that is incredible when you think about it it's this work of nature that a baby a human being is being formed within us and is being cared for carried for nine months and then come to be a baby out in the world so just that in itself i think points to the fact that you know our god first of all is so creative but also it just shows again how different we are and how necessary we are as john paul ii says so you know, I would just say to, you know, anyone who asks me, like, what does the feminine genius mean? It, it literally is how it is that we are unique, why we're unique, and why it matters. Um, and also, I think maybe the other thing that I would attribute it to is just the fact that there is no one right way. And there's no wrong way either of being a woman. Because like I said, people think that, yeah, when you say feminine, oh, like I have to like pink, or I have to you know, like throwing parties, or I like to have my nails done all the time, you know, all of those very, maybe traditional actually is a funny word, but maybe yeah, traditionally understood notions of femininity, but it's so much more than that. And we see that in the varieties of ways that, you know, women are living out their genius in the world, whether they are scientists, or doctors, or lawyers, or artists, or writers, or stay-at-home moms, or religious sisters, that in itself just shows the diversity and the strength of the church. So again, yeah, it comes back to those two terms, feminine and genius, and then you put it together, and it's this huge thing that I can go on and on for, but I'll I'll restrain myself. (laughs) (laughs) A very very good friend of mine wrote her thesis on um, St. Edith Stein, and she specifically delved into the feminine genius in there, and I think that she would agree that you can go on and on and on and on about the feminine genius because, Mm -hmm. well, she wrote an entire thesis on it. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I love that you're, you're mentioning that women are a strength in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, women are a gift in the church that, you know, because people are so stuck on certain things about the church and the way that the church magisterium says things or the way that things are 
just, you know, like the fact that only men can become priests, like, mm -hmm. you know, that just, there's these little hangups that people get stuck on and then they don't realize how deeply esteemed women are in the church. And of course, mm. I mean, you know, the church is of God, but it's filled with humans. So there are going to be times where things maybe are not quite right as far as that relationship between you know, um, how a woman is treated in the church, but that's not because of the church. That's because of the humanness within mm -hmm. the church. And so I just, I love that you're affirming, like women are a gift to the church. Women are special in the church. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter what your job is. Just the fact that you're a woman means that you're special in the church and you are a gift to the church and you have mm -hmm. gifts to use in the church, which I think is just such a wonderful thing to think of. Mm -hmm. So thank you for thank sharing you. that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's, it really is a gift, right? I mean, you know, you think of the two Eves. So Eve at the end of the creation story, um, you know, woman is, or excuse me, woman was the last thing that God created before he rested. And then of course we know the story of the fall and um, how Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden of Eden. And then who does, God send to redeem that. Like he allows for himself to be made a man through the womb, like in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So the new Eve, as we call her. And um, again, John Paul II really points to Mary as the model for femininity, the feminine genius, and, you know, really perfection. And it's such a beautiful thing, like you're talking about. And you're right. I think when we think about feminism, and the hangups that come with that, how everyone has to be equal. Like, you know, you, we need to trample like the pa patriarchy or, you know, topple like men in order to be who we are. Like, I, I don't believe that that's true. You know, mm -hmm. we already know and we already inherently in ourselves have that dignity. Um, it's just a matter of really, I guess, discovering it for ourselves and then allowing for us to ask God to help us order that, um, helping us to really explore it and express it in a more full way um, that really doesn't require us to do anything necessarily. We don't need to um, force men to not be themselves in order for us to get ahead, so to speak. Right. And we don't have to force ourselves to be just like men. Yes. Um, I think of a lot of the, the feminist movement in the United States and and things like the bra burning parties and just all sorts mm -hmm. of bizarre things that have happened in the United States history. But, right. you know, I think about these, these different things and these sorts of, you know, revolutions as they mm -hmm. would be, but are they that revolutionary if all you're trying to do is take the place of another group? And, and so anyways, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but it's, it's hard <laughs> to articulate them sometimes, um, which is why I'm so grateful for the church for articulating the term feminine genius and for John Paul II and his work and what he had to say for women and how that still resonates today. Yes. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's been like 20 some years and it still resonates. All right. Mm -hmm. But since we're talking about John Paul II, mm -hmm. I'm really curious what saints you've found to be inspiring as you've really like leaned into learning about your own feminine genius. And um, I have some guesses. My suspicions would be that John Paul II and Eva Stein are big ones for you as you've really like started to develop and, and curate your own understanding of what your feminine genius is. Are there any other saints that you find in inspirational about that? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're absolutely right, John Paul II. And as you mentioned, um, St. Edith Stein, of course. Um, I think my cop-out, first and foremost would be, you know, the queen of all saints, Mary. Um, so like I said, being the, <laughs> that's right. Like, you know, being <laughs> always exactly. She's our mother. So absolutely. Um, you know, like I mentioned in his letter to women, he talks about Mary as the model of femininity. And I think that, yeah, like, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think on a, a deeper level, maybe like they ne not necessarily spoke about the feminine genius, but were really living out it, their own feminine genius in a very unique way. Um, I 
so maybe like this is a conversation a conversation best safe for another day but like I've had my own struggles with like mental health growing up so for me like Saint Dymphna um, for those folks who are not familiar with her um, is the patroness for those who have mental illness or, or mental health issues and you know she was so convicted in the fact that she needed to be pure and she needed to be preserved by God um, to the point where she, you know, she paid the ultimate price for it. Her father killed her. Um, And it's a remarkable story. And, you know, I think about it, I'm just kind of like, man, if I were put to the test, like, would I cave or would I actually stand firm in my beliefs? And it's something that's challenged me for years. And, you know, I think about it and that is in itself a, another aspect of the feminine genius is to be really um, receptive to God's will for your life. And of course, I don't think anyone is born and goes through life thinking that, oh yeah, like I'm going to die a martyr. But, you know, she was receptive to God's will. She understood what was called, uh, excuse me, what she was called to do and who she's called to be. And by following that all the way to the end, we venerate her some hundred years later as a saint in our church. So, you know, just something like that. So I would say Saint Dymphna really has been a patroness for me um, in many aspects. Um, But, you know, as you ask the question, it makes me think, yeah, absolutely. She has the feminine genius and um, another model for me to follow as well. But I was thinking actually, and I totally didn't put this together till just now. So you get to see a little like, oh, moment for me. But, <laughs> like there, we, wait a minute. We have all of these women who are saints in the church. And I think you could actually argue convincingly, you could convince me because I came up with this in my head just now, but <laughs> you could argue that they all have feminine genius because they all lived their life according to God's will. That's why we venerate them in heaven. They are all a gift to the church and they live their lives as mm. a gift to the church. And so um, one of the things that I do for my day job right now, because I work at our parish. Um, and so I've been leading this Bible study on the book of Esther. And Esther mm, is so okay. cool because she shows a very soft type of feminine genius. And then, you know, you've got Ruth who shows a very different, like, um, you know, loyalty type of feminine genius. And then you've got Judith, who's this warrior who shows a very different type of feminine genius. And it's just like when you start to really dissect the term and then to look at the lives of these model women that the church presents to us, either through biblical scripture or through the lives of the saints, you start to see that there is feminine genius everywhere because there is. Absolutely. And it just, again, it shows the timelessness of the church and of the term, even though it was coined only 20 some odd years ago, but you're absolutely right. And I think it also points to, Um, this deeper truth that all of us men or women are called to is that we're all called to holiness. We're all called to be saints. And there is a reason why God created so many different examples, just because if there is one saint that you don't jive with necessarily, don't worry. There are so many others, but at the end of the day, we're not called to be exactly like, you know, for me, like St. Dimpna, I, I, I really hope that I'm not martyred anytime <laughs> soon, but right. But we have this model to follow, but at the end of the day, even that was not meant um, for us. You know, mm-hmm. God didn't mean for me to follow the exact footsteps of some of my favorite saints. And that's okay. Like to what? recognize that he has got so many different plans um, for each person and that is unique and it's only meant for them. You know, you and I only have our own journeys and our own crosses to carry out. And that is the way that as we follow it will lead us to holiness and, you know, God willing lead us to eternal life with him. So when we follow that, like that's all we can do. And then we've achieved the feminine genius or the masculine genius. (laughs) Right. And it's true that there is, there's a difference between the sexes, both biological and Also in terms of what God places on our hearts and in our hearts in the way that we go about responding to his call is going to look different between men and women. And it's going to look different between woman and woman and woman, right? Like that's not going to be the same for everybody. And that's one of the beauties of our faith is that God loves us so intimately. He knows Mm -hmm. how many hairs are on our head and I'm appalled, but I found some white hairs 
a few weeks ago. And so I pulled them out and <laughs> like, sorry, God, <laughs> change your count. But you know, it's like, I feel like I'm too young to have white hair. Of course, when I'm going to have more kids, I'm totally old enough to have white hair. But anyways, it's just, it's, it's funny because, you know, you think about how much God loves us and you realize that he's, so so close to us and he knows everything about us and Mm. that means that he's infinitely creative he didn't just like you know decide to get a patent and say hey okay (laughs) these are the 2020 things but he didn't do that it's it's different and so I think that's just so beautiful because like we're going to relate to different spiritualities we're going to relate to different acts of service we're going to relate to different vocations because God created us for different purposes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really just a beautiful, beautiful thing that we have God who loves us so much and who created us for a reason. And it's our own reason. It's, yes. you know, it's the reason he made us. It's not what the world tells us that our purpose is, which mm-hmm. I think is really important to remind people of. And um, right. so just for all the listeners, I'm in the United States and we're recording this on November 4th, 2020, which means that I'm still not sure what the results of the general presidential election were, uh, which has been interesting. But the thing that's giving me great comfort right now is that whatever happens, I still have a purpose. I still have a God who loves me. I still am Olivia and I still have been created by God to do what he's called me to do which happens to be being a wife and a mother and running a podcast and working at my parish. But, you know, like those things are different between every person and it doesn't change just because the world changes a little bit. So, yes, I just, I needed to throw that little election tidbit in there because I think people are curious, what is it like to live through this? I'll tell you, it's really strange. (laughs) I think it's strange for all of us up here too, just to watch. I mean, I've never felt a collective, you know, everybody holding their breath um, for something that's not happening to us. Right. But, you know, I I think with, as with anything, you know, one decision, uh, one thing can impact so many other things. So we are certainly praying for all of you just for peace and unity. Yes. Those, those American ideals of of unity that are Mm -hmm. somehow being very tested right now, but that's right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, okay, so I actually kind of want to switch gears and talk a little bit about Canada because I love Canada. Um, <laughs> my husband jokes, he's like, Olivia, why do you read all those books about West Virginia? It's like, they're not about West Virginia, they're Canada. I love <laughs> Canadian literature. So he's always making fun of me for my Canadian literature. But um, I have lived so, so close. I live like super, super close to Windsor. And mm. I have only visited maybe a few times. And we were going to go to Banff this past year, and then we couldn't because of COVID-19, which was really sad. But I think, you know, there's real beauty in where you are. You're in Vancouver, right? Yes, that's right. A lot of people don't realize that Canada's so, so beautiful. And so I'm really curious about your location and how just the, the natural surroundings really impact your ability to kind of tap into your feminine genius and your own spirituality. I just... Because I need to throw some love at Canada right now. So. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, you know, I, I've really been thinking about this a lot recently where um, there are so many aspects that had to go right or had to happen in order for each of us to land where we are. Right. So I am beyond grateful that my parents decided to you know meet in Canada and then eventually um, because they met in Calgary so one province over very close to Banff actually um, and they decided to move west to Vancouver because I tell people that when you're in downtown Vancouver so if you think of any major metropolis um, you know there are bounds to be skyscrapers everywhere and Vancouver is no exception But what I love is that when you're downtown, at any point you can turn and you'll see some kind of trees, some kind of glimpse of the ocean, uh, and some mountains. And it's beyond stunning. Um, The Pacific Northwest is just so beautiful. So, you know, how that taps into, I think, feminine genius. You know, as women, I think we're particularly sensitive and receptive to beauty. 
and just the awe that comes with that. And as you were saying, like our God is so infinitely creative. So, you know, I look at, yeah, the mountain ranges and the ocean and I can just spend hours standing by like one of the piers or along like the shores of our beaches and just really look and stare and just be like, wow, the world is so big. There's so much to it. And it is so beautiful. Like I, I cannot believe it. And, you know, as you go across our country, like I've had the privilege of going across not um, you know a couple times now and it's again it's so unique like when you look at the trees and the mountains and even the sunsets right it's all so beautiful so I think that that really again speaks to you know God's creativity um, and just how sensitive he is to each thing and I think that you know it really speaks to my heart when I think about how you know unique how personable his love is and he just knows that this is something that I could really thrive off of, you know, not to mention fresh air and there's a little bit of space. You can walk around and just see all this beauty around you. And I think that if nothing else, if the world is going not so great and you're having a bad day, just to be there and to recognize that God is all around because he made all of, you know, the mountains, the trees, the water, whatever it might be, he made all of it. So it's a good reminder that he is still in control. Right. And that's, yeah. And that even after all of those things pass away, our identities as women, as you were mentioning earlier, you know, no matter what the outcome of the election, you know, at the end of time, when all of this passes away, you know, we are still us and right. he loves us for that. Absolutely. I have a, I have a little bit of a theory, which when I come on the Feminine Genius podcast in a week, I hope that, you know, I get a chance to elaborate more on this, but yes. my theory is that women are so creative because, and, and we're so attentive, like I'm so much more attentive to detail than my husband, which is partly personality and it's also just other things, but like, I really do feel like because we have as women the biological ability it's you know it's wired into our very physical bodies that because we have the biological ability to procreate with god that we have this extra creative attunement to the world where we see you know we see maybe the leaves and their colors and we feel the spiritual uplifting of like, wow, that's so beautiful, Lord. Or, or we just, you know, I just, I'm having a hard time putting it into words, but we are just more naturally attuned to the creation of what's around us. And so I think, you know, that there's a real beauty of saying like, we can be very spiritual people and we can you know do all the things we need to do, but we can still feel close to God in nature too. You know, we can go to mass every Sunday and receive confession regularly and receive all the sacraments. And then we can still be outside in nature and feel our souls lifted up to the Lord. That's appropriate. And I think that it happens for women because of how we've been designed, because mm. we hold in ourselves the very ability to be united with God's creativity in this specific way. And so when you're looking around the world, you see God's creativity literally everywhere. And so it's, it's just a real beautiful, a real beautiful thought, a real beautiful feeling. And I think that a lot of people don't know how beautiful Canada is. And a lot of people don't know how much I love Canada. And a lot of people also don't know that there's a reason why women might pay a little more attention to detail. There's a, there's a, a biological tie-in to why we feel certain things when we're in certain environments and landscapes and or at least that's my hypothesis anyways it's not backed up by science but <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. i i do believe that that's true and i i mean I, again it comes back to like one of the traits of the feminine genius being like sensitivity and just really being sensitive not only to the things around us and the nature but also to each person like we're able to like John Paul II talks about how you know women and I'm paraphrasing here but we're really able to receive and understand other people other women other men whoever it might be in a very unique and personal way and it really is that I think you know to go off of your theory there like we're able to see something in other people in nature like I think what it is that we're seeing is we're seeing God 
And, you know, whether you are Catholic or not, and, but particularly if you're Catholic, I think that we kind of, we do recognize that there is something special and unique. And it's the thing that we seek. It's really, you know, God and unity with him. And we can, when we see that in other people, when we see that in creation, our hearts are really being drawn up higher. Our souls are being drawn up higher. So it just makes me think of um, Blessed uh, Pier Giorgio Frassati. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about, you know, to the heights like Verso Alto. So right. really everything that we do, um, our eyes are being drawn up. That's why like mountains go up high, trees go up high. Um, and it's just such a wonderful thing, you know, to see God's creation at work like that. Yes, absolutely. So I guess just kind of going into a little bit more of a specific for you, because you've already mm -hmm. mentioned that like having some space, if you're not having a great day is really helpful. And so I'm curious, like, how would you say that just having the environment that you're in, how does that help you to connect, you know, to understand what God's will for your life is? Like, how would you say that your environment impacts your understanding of God's will for your life? Mm. Yeah, what a beautiful question. I, I think that it, it just affirms again that, that, yeah, our God is, as you were saying, such a creative God and that, you know, I, I've been thinking about this more and more recently that, you know, even though there is so much beauty and vastness around us, and we can't deny it, of course, but God had made each of us with infinitely more value because we are the only beings, you know, men and women, uh, that were made in his image. Right. And it's such a simple thing, right? Like I grew up going to mass. I grew up in Catholic school. And I think, you know, sometimes we fail to realize the gravity of that statement that you are made. I am made in the image and likeness of God. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a simple thing. And yet there's just so much depth and truth to it. You know, the trees were not made in his image. Yes. Like God created them, created them, but they're not made in his image, but we are. Right. So I think it, it further just, it shows me that if this is true and we believe this to be true, then that does mean that he has a plan for us, as scripture says many times, um, but also that we are made for so much more. You know, the trees, yes, like, you know, they, they give us happiness and maybe they annoy us when we have to rake the leaves every fall because they're shedding. Um, but they have no will of their own and they, you know, yes, like they contribute to our ecosystem and it's important that they're here, but what they do versus what we are called to do as humans to build up his kingdom here on earth is of infinitely more value. So I think that that's really the biggest thing is that the environment around me, just by virtue of how beautiful it is, it's shown me that, you know, we can feel small in it and yet God is reminding me that, no, like, you're made for so much more. And especially, like, in this society now where, you know, we are really trapped in consumerism and comparison and social media and shopping and whatever it might be, it can be so easy to get down on ourselves and feel like there is nothing in this world worth living for. And yet the opposite is true just by virtue of who made us and what our identity is. So it's really been this ongoing and unfolding thing that I've been really trying to learn that God is showing me. Um, yeah. That we're made for so much more than maybe what we initially thought. I love that. And I think a lot of times as women, there's this belief that we aren't worth it. There's this belief that we aren't doing enough there's this book, you know, there's all these limited beliefs. And yet I'm thinking to myself, well, we don't need to have those because we are made in the image and likeness of God. Like if all we do for our entire lives is love the way God asks us to love, then any sort of worldly, worldly accomplishment doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. of course, it's great to have goals. I'm a big goal setter and I love to achieve things, but it doesn't matter because the really the only thing we're called to do is to do his will and to follow his plan for our life. And, you know, those feelings of I'm not enough, I'm not enough. 
you know, especially for somebody who maybe struggles with anxiety or is worried about that, I always go back to, you know, remember the lilies, like God clothes them in so much splendor and yet he cares so much more for, for us. And so I just, I absolutely love that because I think it's something that so many women struggle with that, you know, we're not enough, but you don't have to look very far, look into your yard, look at, you know, a nest of birds and realize like, wow, this is beautiful. And look at all the detail God put into that and then know how much more detail God has put into you made mm-hmm. in his image and likeness. I just, thank you. You're making me cry, Rachel. I'm oh. pregnant and hormonal. And also <laughs> this is really beautiful. So thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, hopefully to, to cheer you up a little bit, but thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, but maybe to cheer you up as we, we move forward in the conversation too. There was this thing that's been going around, I think for years, I would say on social media about, um, I, I think it's just nine different ways that potatoes are made. So you can cut them up into French fries. You can make them as tater tots. You can mash them, whatever. And then it says, you know, if God can do so much with a potato, imagine what he can do with you. I'm like, yes, that is absolutely true. So I hope that that provides a little bit of levity and also encouragement. Yes. And actually what's really ironic about that is I'm making potato soup today for dinner. So it does turn to my, there you go. It's like one of my favorite (laughs) things. So yes, God, thank you for potatoes. I need to thank him for that in my prayer tonight because I love potatoes. What's, What's funny is I was actually just talking to my dad and he's like, what's your favorite food? And I was like, I don't know, but I really love potatoes and bread. <laughs> it was like, oh, go. I don't know what to tell you. I like food that has potatoes and bread in it. And there's a lot. So that is, that is really funny that that is what you were coming up with. To- <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that. So, okay. You have spent a year and a half really delving into the idea of feminine genius and talking to amazing women and other people who've really just, manage to help you come to a deeper understanding, help other people come to a deeper understanding of feminine genius. And so I guess I'm going to assume you have a wealth of knowledge about feminine genius and um, because you do. And so I'm curious, what's one thing you would recommend for women who are interested in learning more about the feminine genius? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, like, I, I chuckled when Olivia said that I have a wealth of knowledge and I firmly believe it's, it's still ongoing and still unfolding, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, on a practical level, I, I think I would recommend for if any woman wants to learn more about it, um, they don't really have to look too far. I mean, the letter to women uh, is online. You can search it up and take a read through it. And I would also encourage uh women to also look at uh, Mulieris Dignitatum, which was written also by John Paul II in, I believe it was 1987, 1988. So those two are really, um, you know, documents that work well in tandem. But of course, I understand that because I had the same reaction myself that uh, there's a lot of jargon or, you know, theological things that come up. So if you're looking for a very easy to understand uh, book, about the feminine genius. There's one by Katrina Zeno called, I believe it's rediscovering the feminine genius. So it very plainly goes through uh, what the feminine genius is and goes into John Paul II's theory of thought. And also it talks about other things that actually you raised earlier, Olivia, about, you know, why can't women be priests or, um, you know, very like technical questions that I think a lot of people come up with when it comes to, you know, why women and, or why not women, for example. Um, So those are the two things that I would recommend. Uh, And then on a spiritual level, I would really encourage women to really ask that question. I think that sometimes we, we demand a lot of things uh, for ourselves and we hold ourselves to high regard, which is important, but sometimes we fail to ask the question, maybe because we're afraid of the answer. Because many times, especially for, you know, young women like ourselves, um, women who are discerning their vocation, women who are trying to figure out what their purpose is. And even if it's as simple as like, God, do you want me to serve RCIA this year in my parish? Or do you want me to maybe take a step back and focus on something else? Something as simple as that. Um, And sometimes we fail to bring God into that decision-making, into that thinking. Uh, So really to ask him, you know, what is your will for my life? 
And it sounds like a very heady question and it takes a long time to really understand and, and really dive into, but you know, God being who he is, he doesn't rush and he's the perfect gentleman. I, I tell this to a lot of women. He's the perfect gentleman that doesn't force himself on us. So in that sense, we really should try to open ourselves up and ask him, what is it that you want me to do in my life for you? And from there, how can we work together? You were talking about procreating. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times like we, we talk about, yeah, like that as well as co-creating, like he's inviting us to create with him. And I, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And sometimes we discount ourselves for it because maybe we're not like other women. You know, I'm not married. I'm not a religious sister. I'm not a theologian. So what do I have to contribute? So to tie it all together, recognizing that first and foremost, we have a feminine genius that is unique and it's uniquely ours. Mm -hmm. And then from there asking the question, you know, praying to God and asking him, what is it that you want me to do with this feminine genius? So yeah, it'll require thinking a lot more about what it is that you're interested in. What does your heart, like, what is it drawn to? What is it attracted to? And then taking a listen to what God has to say. Wow. Okay. So you kind of answered two questions in one for me just now. So um, I'm actually really excited because just, of course, I love whenever I ask people about practical steps for women that women could do to understand the feminine genius, which I actually don't have that conversation very often, um, but hopefully I'll have it more often. But like whenever we talk about like, what are the practical steps? Well, for a Christian woman, the first step should be prayer. You know, the first step should be, what is God's will for me? And I just, I love that you just right away went right there that, you know, well, we have to pray about like, God, we have to include you in the decision makings. You know, what is it that you want from us, Lord? What is it? You are the Lord. What is it that we need to do for you? And so I think that's just absolutely a beautiful, beautiful gift. Okay. So my last question, and there's no wrong answers. I 100% promise there are no wrong answers. But what is your favorite thing about Catholicism? What do you love so, so much about being Catholic? Hmm. Yeah, so many things. But I would have to say one thing that would sum it all up is diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, So diversity in the body of Christ. So, you know, as we've talked about throughout this conversation, there is a diversity and, you know, my favorite term, actually, multiplicity, multiplicity of ways to be a woman. There is a multiplicity of ways to be a Catholic within that. And again, it comes back to how creative God is. Like, uh, you know, you and I look so different and we have so many brothers and sisters in Christ, like around, you were talking, you know, the, the, the Catholic church is just spread out, you know, everywhere, all over the world. And I think that that fact was made so apparent to me again, actually, while I was at world youth day, I don't know if you've ever been to a world youth day, um, wonderful, wonderful experience. If you ever have the opportunity and, and listeners as well, I mean, you know, to be there in the presence of hundreds of thousands. And I was told that that is a relatively small population for World Youth Day. I think there are about 650,000 people. But you see, again, the diversity of the church, all gathered and all congregated for one reason and one reason only, and that Mm -hmm. is to see God and to find him. So, you know, when I think about the Catholic church and how creative God is, really diversity is what comes to mind. And it's just apparent in so many different ways. And, you know, even something like religious orders, there are so many different religious orders, so many to count, too many to read through on Wikipedia. And all of them, again, are so different, right? Their charisms are so different and their apostolates are so different. And again, it speaks to how personal and how creative God's love is. So I would have to say diversity when it comes to what I love about the Catholic Church. That is a beautiful answer. And I know people are like, well, what do you want me to say? Well, there's no wrong answer. Like there's so much to love in the faith. And so anyways, um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a guest on Heart Home Faith. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you for having me. And God bless all the listeners. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really do appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you more about the feminine genius and following along with your podcast as well. So um, 
For the listeners who have not checked out um, Rachel's podcast, The Feminine Genius, please go do it and then leave her a review. Those really, really help us as podcasters to just help other people learn more about us and find us because the algorithm, as Samantha Stevenson from Spoken Woman says, is terrible at theology. So leave the word Catholic in the review and it really, really helps other people to find us. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Rachel. God bless you and have a wonderful day. You as well. Thank you. So hope that you enjoyed my chat with Rachel Wong, the host of the Feminine Genius Podcast. For more information, be sure to check out Rachel's amazing podcast, The Feminine Genius Podcast. Seriously, please leave a review for this episode and hop over to Rachel's podcast, listen to some episodes, and leave her a review too. Leaving reviews really, really helps us podcasters to get our voices heard. And we appreciate it so much. Rachel, thank you again for being on the show. I know all of my listeners will so appreciate all that you had to share. I can't wait to see the fruits of your ministry as we go forwards. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing in mine. My dear, dear sisters in Christ, until next time, may you feel as loved as you are.